Well, this is my fourth podcast of season two. It's only been five days since I posted my last podcast. And it's hard to believe, but so much has changed. Really, beyond the pandemic crisis now, which has kind of caused the oil issues. Speaking mostly to oil, which hit negative territory for the first time in history. I mean, how does that even happen? And I'll try to explain that in a few minutes, at least to the best of my simple ability. But, but first, a little housekeeping. I've been very honest and clear about my lack, lack of podcasting experience, and I know that sometimes it's probably difficult to listen to. Well, with that said, I received an email today from a gentleman who said, I, you know, I like your podcast, but I just can't hear it, even at an elevated volume. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And I went back and saw some of my settings in the software that were not set correctly. So I went and fixed it. And for a future podcast, that shouldn't be a problem. I can't go back and fix previous podcasts. So I'll just say this. Thanks to all who have listened to me stumble through this process. Thanks to all who have emailed me with positive thoughts and feedback. And I'll try to do better so it's not like fingernails on a chalkboard. Now, moving on, in my life and experience in the market, I've always thought of it as very chaotic and hard to understand. Well, I spent the last almost eight years of my life trying to understand it better. And there's always crazy, strange, strange things that happen to a company like Boeing with the airline crashes, like the 2008 housing crisis. But these days are unprecedented and honestly epic. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. My personal goal is to live the rest of my life at a modest lifestyle. And oh, yeah, I, I want to take care of my bride for the rest of her life, too, after I'm gone. I think I have a good plan, but who knows? I've said that I think this is going to be a five to 10 year economic event. Just my opinion. But it's uncharted territory. I've never believed in these so-called experts before, but now the experts and the noise, as I call it, has really escalated, and everyone is grabbing at straws to form an opinion. Therefore, my thought process on filtering opinions is as important as ever. My thought process on how you need to filter and then form your own opinions and philosophy is as important as ever, probably more important. I love comedy, and my daughter and I share that. We've gone to a lot of comedy clubs since she was a young adult. I heard a comedian say the other day that, and I would credit him, but I just don't remember who it was. But he said, things are so crazy now in the news cycle that if they said they were going to use the Grand Canyon as a landfill, you'd say, oh, that makes sense. Why did no one ever think of that before, Right. I can hardly open my iPad these days to get news because it's crazier than the day before. Now, I just say that to say things are nuts right now. And honestly, I don't want to make this political. I, I really want to take the Joe Rogan stance. Not, not Joe Rogan. Who was it? Oh, I can't remember who it was now. This is a no politics free zone. And I'll explain why. Money doesn't know the left. Money doesn't know the right. Money be, will be made when the left is in power and money will be made when the right is in power. Money will be made year after year. I'm not saying politi uh, political policies won't determine this. I'm just saying my goal isn't to be on the right side or the left side. 
of where the issue is. You know, my opinions are as worth as you, you know as much as yours. But my goal is to make money, no matter what the issue is. Now let's talk about oil prices. It's a very complicated and historical issue. I've spoke to it in early episodes in the season one that when I was a teenager and oil was twenty dollars a barrel and gas was thirty cents a gallon. Don't fact check me. It was something like that. Well, I went ahead and took a look and <laughs> and. I fact-checked myself. In June 1973, oil was $20 a barrel, and in 2008, oil was $165 a barrel. Now, today, it's negative dollars a barrel. What? How does that mean? What? Is, what is? I don't even understand that. Well, this is to the best of my knowledge, and I'm trying to simplify it, but oil is purchased in the futures market. That means around January of 2020, oil futures for April of 2020 were contracted I don't know for how much, but probably around $30 a barrel. Then what happens next? The coronavirus, stay at home, not just for the old USA, but for the world. So demand for oil plummets. Now the storage facilities for oils can't take any more barrels of oil that they contracted back for in January. They have no capacity to store it. They will pay someone to take the oil from them, so therefore the negative oil price. They paid $30 a barrel, I'm saying, guessing, on future contracts in January, but now they have no place to store the oil, so they pay someone to take it. If you bought the contract, you're getting the oil. You have to do something with it. That's how the futures contracts work for orange juice, soybeans, whatever. Now, let me say this in a very simplistic understanding of the situation. The world according to me, and what I've read so far, I know nothing more than that. So now, full stop, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to us? Well, it's supply and demand is purest. The supply is ample from Saudi Arabia, China, Russia, the USA. But the demand is not there any longer. They keep producing as if it was, but there's no place to store it. It should mean low gas prices, not exactly what we saw in the 1970s, but close. I mean, gas tax, especially in California, is high, and it's 77 cents a gallon just for the tax. They recently raised it to support the infrastructure of roadways. Well, what will happen now with the demand, in redu the demand reduction, we'll probably see the state increase taxes because the revenue from the lack of gas will demand that they increase revenues. It's kind of like a toilet bowl flushing. It's really scary. It also should mean that there's lower travel costs, both locally and internationally. The biggest expense for airlines is fuels, fuel. And with fuel prices so low, it should make the airline fares go down. But that's hard to tell because they need higher fares maybe to make up for this close down in the world economy and travel. But it should help companies like, you know, stocks like FedEx, UPS, Amazon, any company that uses fuel as a key cost factor for them. And probably it's any industry. I don't know what the future holds for, for oil. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but... For oil, I don't think the future is good. Okay, moving on, and I don't know if I explained that appropriately to everybody, but that's the best that I understand it. So full stop, I've received hundreds of emails from many people all over the world, and I really appreciate the input. I put my email out there for you all to connect with me. Well, one of the investors and listeners is a gentleman named Ben, and he asked me if we could talk live. 
And I said, yeah, I mean, why not? And I agreed, and we spent a couple hours dialoguing on stocks. I really enjoyed it, and I hope I brought him value. Let me tell you this. He brought me value. I don't have all the answers. I don't have any of the answers, but I do have a lot of questions. I just know that when people connect and collaborate, it's good. It's just a blessing of knowledge. I've managed hundreds of people in my career, and I've learned from many of them more than I ever taught them. I'm a true believer that I'll never be the smartest person in the room. I believe that if you and I have a problem to solve, it'll be a better result than if it was just me figuring it out by myself. I believe that if you put five people in a room with all the intellect and experience, you will solve a problem better than just by yourself. And I don't care how smart you are. You're really not any smarter than experience and input. That was one of the biggest learnings for me in corporate America. The other was in interacting and especially managing people. I think you need to understand that not all people want to be treated the way you want to be treated. So that's a little bit of a rant, but I mean, hear that. You'll always hear, just treat people the way you want to be treated. Well, I'm a white man with white privilege. I grew up in a lower economic arena, but not poverty. I don't know what others have experienced, and maybe not everyone wants to be treated like me. I don't know how a black woman, as an example, from St. Louis would want to be treated, probably not like me. So sorry for the rant, but to get to my point, Ben, who asked me to connect via a phone call, really brought me value. Today I was researching data and I thought, darn, Ben would probably like to see this data. Then today I received an email from Ben with an outstanding website pertaining to the ex-dividend dates, and I thought, man, I sure would like to share this with others. What it did was it gave me an idea. Most of the correspondence I've received via email, via email are from young folks who have jobs, wives, babies, so much to spend their time on. Honestly, just like my son and my daughter. I send them stuff to my kids that I've researched online and they, they filter it based on what's going on with them. I mean, they're busy with their full-time jobs and they just can't research like I can in the investment arena. So back to my conversation with Ben. I spend many hours a day studying the market, not because I want to, but really because I have to. If I had a billion dollars, I probably wouldn't do this at all. I'd probably do something different, but I still feel like I need to. So I ran across an article today and I thought, dang, I think Ben would benefit from that. And it led me to a thought that I could compile emails from folks that wanted to benefit from, from the study that I have since I have the time. Some may be of interest to people and say may not, but I study and would send emails to my kids and my close friends. Well, what if I sent that to a broader audience, the people who listen to my podcast and still have an interest? Although I've listened to the podcast, I have a connection to you. I, I can't even explain it, but there have been such nice emails, very genuine and positive, and it just blesses me and mocks me, makes me want to do more to help. Again, you all have so much on your plates and just living, paying bills, raising kids. I mean, you all know that. But for those that think ahead for the future, you're thinking above and beyond. The ones that search stock market investment, be proud of yourselves. Most don't do that. And most do, don't do what you've already done. And I'm proud of you. So my idea is this. I study and research. I spend more time than I'm proud to say on my iPad. But remember, I hate yard work. So I thought today, if anyone is interested in getting emails and links of subjects that I've studied, I could send it to you in a group email. I will say this arrogantly, I still think I have knowledge I can share in this arena, and I'd like to share it in a broader arena. I've said many times in my podcast, I just want to help people. I want to help people create wealth. I have no other motives.
I find nuggets of information every day I would like to share with people, and so I send it to my friends and family. Just information I know that they don't have the time to navigate, so I try and save these nuggets for a podcast, but sometimes the info or data doesn't really even apply by the time I get a podcast out. I mean, they say a podcast has to last at least 20 minutes. I I don't know who they are, but for some reason I conform to that. Maybe I'll put out five-minute podcasts quicker and more relevant. So, what I'd like to do, if anyone cares to be a part of my emails for data that I've mined, and maybe of an interest to you and your investment endeavors, let me know. I'll compile a list of emails as a group and send to me, and I'll send to you what I've studied and learned and that you might not have the time to study. I hopefully will continue podcasts in the future. As I've said, they're hard, but I do know this. I will never quit studying, and if I don't ever do a podcast again, I could still share info I studied with people like you, just like I do with my friends and my kids. My intention is for this really to be interactive as well. I just talked to Ben last Friday, and he sent me a great website I mentioned about ex-dividend days. So when you run across a nugget of information that you think others can benefit from, send it to me and I'll push it out to the others. We will get a beginner's guide to the stock market group that shares information with each other across the globe with the intention of helping folks that are not experts figure out this complicated world of stock market investments. If this looks like help, just send me your email and I'll compile a list and we'll get this started. A multinational group of stock investors who are just regular people, not experts. Now, full stop, it's imperative for me to tell you this. I don't know why, but I will never and will never try to monetize this in any way. It, it honestly embarrasses me to say that. But I wanted to make sure that anybody that was skeptical of my intentions, my intention is to bring value to others if I can before I leave this world. That going forward, I'm hopefully going to put out more and shorter podcasts that are more current event focused. If interested, drop me an email that you would like to be included in any of the articles or websites that I mine on the financial pages that I look at every day. We'll see where this idea, go, idea goes. Now, on to another subject. I got an email from a gentleman who asked me, should my goal for making money be in the market? Should I set a goal for 30%? Should I have a goal? Should I set it for 10%? And I thought, well, that's really a great question. I'm embarrassed to say it's one I've not thought of before. In my corporate life, we always had goals. Side note, though I always loved it when we'd get our objectives or our goals, you know, for the year or six months late, six months of the year. And that happened more often than that. It was incredible. So what has my goal been in the stock market? It really wasn't a numerical goal. It was a goal that I wanted just to do it myself. I'm honest enough and immature enough to say that even if a financial advisor could get me better results, I probably still wouldn't use them. My goal was self-sustainability in the market. Now, I'm enough of a realist that in the bull market that ran for 10 years, if I was losing money, I would hope I'm not dumb enough that I wouldn't seek help, but it just didn't happen. I did very well, so I just kept moving forward. So I started my knowledge, and I shared it with my family and close friends, and they all did very well. So I knew I was onto something that could help people, especially those that are not savvy in the stock market, the beginners. So back to my goals. I mean, if I would have set a 2020 goal of 10% with no control of the environment and i.e. the pandemic came up, I would not meet that goal. I'd have to readjust the goal. 
Yeah, just like corporate America, you readjust goals. So as I've reflected on this, I want anyone who feels they need or want a goal to achieve what you want to do in the stock market, do what floats your boat. By all means, set a goal. My goal for you is to invest for your future. It's up to you and no one else. Take a long-term approach. For me, sad to say, but right now, I'd be more than happy in 2020 if I broke even. But that may even be too high a goal. Last, and I mean it, what a great question. I've so appreciated all the input from everyone that has taken the time to respond to me. Now, moving forward, I'm hopeful I will put out short, shorter and more focused on current events that will help you as we move together. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. And God bless. And stay well.